so, I know we discussed me doing a specific jail, but I went a different route. That was more Halloween-y themed. Um, I got the idea from another podcast, and let me just pull up the screenshot real quick to give them credit. Creepy Chisney. I got the idea from them. Um, so, I'm going to tell you, Sarah, a -hmm. bunch of horror movie characters that are based on real killers. Oh, yes. It was so much fun researching this because um, there's just so much to work with. Like, I had, like, 15 or 16 different ones. I had to cut it back. I have... Actually, I'm not even sure how many I have. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have seven. And I had to cut out a bunch. But it gave me lots of story ideas, too. So, basically, I'm going to go through each one. I'll give you the premise of the movie, and then I'll tell you who it's based on, but I don't go into a ton of detail so that I can cover some of them later. And also so it's not seven hours long. (laughs) Okay. So, very first movie is Scream. It was released December 20th, 1996, Written by Kevin Williamson, directed by Wes Craven. Called classic. Yes. I haven't actually seen it. I haven't actually seen all of these Neither movies. Have I. <laughs> I just know it's a classic and I know the mask and I know several of the lines, but I haven't actually seen it. I remember, like, that was, like, the Halloween costume when I was young was to wear, like, the black gown and, like, the mask that, like, when you squeeze the bag of blood, it would, like, pump in. And oh, just, yeah. Like, I remember that vividly from being, like, eight years old. My mom absolutely despises them. It just... That mask and the scream painting gives her the heebie-jeebies. She just can't. Okay, so the premise of the movie... So it's based in the fictional town of Woodsboro, California, and it follows high school student Sydney Prescott and her friends, and they become targets of a killer wearing a ghost face mask. So, it is based on Danny Rowling, the Gainesville Ripper, who was born May 26, 1954. He murdered five college students during a burglary spree in Gainesville, Florida, in August of 1990. He mutilated... Why is it, yes? Why is it always college students? Like, there's much easier targets. I know, right? Like, when I was in university living on campus and stuff, I was... I was never alone. I was always in groups. I feel like it's... They're the ones who are always going to be in groups, but whatever. Anyways. Um, he mutilated their bodies and even decapitated one of them. If you need to speak, it's me. Okay. Yeah. He also posed their bodies, sometimes using mirrors. So his victims were... Sonia Larson, 17, and Christina Powell, also 17, which he murdered August 24th. They lived together. Oh, near my birthday. <laughs> Why am I happy about that? <laughs> and then Christina Hoyt, he murdered the next day on the 25th. And she's the one he decapitated. He left and he came back because he thought he forgot something at the scene. And... <laughs> 
for some reason decided to decapitate her as well. Oh. Okay. And then he killed Manny Tobada, who is. What? Manny Batinkin? <laughs> who is 23, and Tracy Paul's also 23 on August 27th. Um, and so Manny was a male, the rest were female, and he sexually assaulted all four female victims. And all of the female victims were white, petite, and brunette with brown eyes, like his own mother. There it is! I know, I hate how much that comes up. It's so bleh. And I remember, um, I remember um, in friends. Mindhunter, they were talking about, I think it was Mindhunter? No, it was not Mindhunter. It was the alienist. He was talking about, now that's not based on true story, but still, in one episode he's talking about how maybe he had a poor relationship with his mother, and the cops are like, men aren't affected by women like that, and then turns out, the guy they were looking for, turns out, guy had hella mommy issues, and so do many of these. Like, when when girls have daddy issues, we just sleep with guys who have authority like, we just sleep with authority figures. When guys have mommy issues, they murder women. Like, what, what, why is this? Right? Like, what the fuck? Because men are toxic. But anyways. <laughs> so, Danny was later connected to the assault of Janet Frake in Sarasota, Florida on August 5th. So, actually, before these crimes. She was assaulted in a similar fashion to his later murder victims, but for some reason he spared her life. He was also connected to the murders of William Grissom, Grissom, 55, his daughter Julie, 24, and her son Sean in Shrevenport, Louisiana on November 4th, 1989, so the prior November. Julie's body had been mutilated and posed like the 1990 victims, and he actually confessed to these murders shortly before his execution, but he was suspected to be involved before that. In November 1991, he pled guilty to five counts of murder in the death of the five college students. He was sentenced to death in 1994, and he was executed on August, no, October 25th, 2006, by lethal injection. Next, we have Silence of the Lambs. This one I actually have seen, but actually pretty recently. (laughs) Okay. It was released February 14th, 1991. Perfect V-Day date. It follows FBI agent trainee Clarice Star- Starling, who enlists the help Daddy. of convicted cannibalistic serial killer Hannibal Lecter in finding Buffalo Bill, a serial killer who skins his female victims. Yeah. Hannibal Lecter. Like everyone knows, like, the hello, Clarice. Yes. I know, like, again, I knew a bunch of, like, the quotes and shit from this movie long before I saw it. Yeah, exactly. Hannibal Lecter is actually partially based on Alfredo Bali Trevino. Trevino was a surgeon known for his fashion sense and generosity with the poor. Ooh. In 1959, while a medical intern, he got into an argument with his lover, Jesus Castile Rangel, 
about either money or about Trevino's insistence on marrying a woman. He sliced Rangel up to into small pieces, put them in a box, and tried to bury the box on a ranch. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was quickly discovered, and he was sentenced to death in 1961. He served time at a state prison in... Monterrey, Mexico, where he continued his medical practice informally by tending to visiting townspeople and other prisoners. And he ended up being released after serving 20 years of prison and moved back to his old neighborhood. And then the other character, Buffalo Bill, is actually partially based on Ed Gein. But we're not going to get into him yet. Okay. So the next movie we're going to talk about is Psycho. Ooh. Originally released, the first one was released September... Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first one was released September 8th, 1960. I haven't seen this one, but I saw the, I think it was 1980 or 1990 remake. So the guy who plays Norman Bates in one of the more recent remakes... Mm-hmm. Um is, like, normally a comedy actor, and he's in Grown Ups, and I remember watching it and being like, this is so fucking weird he's in it. Hold on, let me check who it was. Um, I think it was 1980. Psycho. Yeah, 1980. Cast. I need the cast. Oh, maybe it was 1990. What? Yeah, so in the 1998 version, it was Vince Vaughn. Oh. Yeah. Why does that sound familiar? Because he's in Grown Ups. And, like, Will Ferrell movies. Oh, that dude. Yeah. He's in The Breakup, Wedding Crashers, Couples Retreat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's in a lot of funny things. And And then he played... Or maybe playing Norman Bates fucked him up. <laughs> he was psych. Yeah, okay. He does it very well. That's a creepy screenshot. Yeah, he was in a lot of. Fred Claus. Yeah, he's Fred Claus. Like, he's in a lot of funny shit. And then just. But you, psycho. But you know what? He has that face. He has that he face. Does. I get it. He he's does. One of those okay, white maybe... guys. That's like, you're funny. But you could kill someone. Well, maybe he's not in Grown Ups, but he's the same type of actor. He's a, with um, yeah. Owen Wilson and Will Ferrell type of actors. Okay. That's stupid funny. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I had like only ever seen him in funny things, and then I watched the Psycho that he's in, and I was like, this is so weird to see him act this way. <laughs> okay, so anyways, the original Psycho, September 8th, 1960. Produced and directed by Alfred Hitchcock. It follows an on-the-run embezzler, Marion Crane, who goes to Bates Motel to hide out from law. From the law. The law. The motel is run by Norman Bates, who is controlled by his overbearing mother. I remember that, yes. There yeah. was a remake of that, Bates Motel. Yeah, I, I liked Bates Motel. I watched it. I, I watched some of it. I just remember, like, the mom being so... Mm, mm-hmm. 
helicopter beyond helicopter yeah and then I was so upset I remember being so upset by how it ended because I thought that the series was supposed to be a prequel to the movies but it was not so Norman Bates is also based on Ed Gein so now we're gonna talk about him so he was born August 27th 1906 which is interesting I thought his whole situation. He's like one of the only people, not, okay, not one of the only, he's like one of the only serial killers who's born in August. The rest are like Geminis and like. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> no, I'm just like, that is not related to this at all, but like, you've seen that list, right? Yeah, I've seen people, that list. Like, Geminis and Scorpios. Yeah. Like, no Aries. Yeah. I also thought he. His crimes were much more recent than that. Yeah, but... I thought he was active in, like, the 70s, but he was not. Okay, so I'm gonna give... Him I give a little more information um, on to make it see how it fits with the movie. Mm-hmm. So, December 29th, 1945, Gein's mother pass- passed away at age 67, and he was devastated. Author Harold Schlett, I don't, I don't even know how to say this. There's too many CHs. Schlettschler, I don't know, said that Gein had, quote, lost his only friend and one true love and he was absolutely alone in the world, end quote. When his mother died? Yeah, so he was very, very, very connected to his mother and invested in his mother. Yeah. And again, like, I don't get as into it when I, in this episode, I'm not going to tell you everything, but there's a lot to the, now I can see, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to that relationship there. And part of why he was so close to her is she had suffered a paralyzing stroke and he had been the one that was her caregiver after that. So he was very dedicated to taking care of her. Okay. Yeah, and then at one point, um, his brother died and everyone else was dead, so it was just the two of them. So she was kind of the only one in the family left. So he was on his own after she died. Mm. Which would be hard on a normally functioning brain. Yeah. So some other names for him are the Mad Butcher, the Butcher of Plainfield, and the Plainfield Ghoul. And as a hint from the names, it took place, his crimes were in Plainfield, Wisconsin. I feel like Gein is a criminal who is referenced often and kind of like side mentioned a lot, but no one really talks about what he did, you know? Like, of all the true crime podcasts I listen to, I listen to, like, ten different ones. Only one has ever actually covered him. Because it's just so disgusting. Yeah, that's kind of hard to cover and do it pol- politely or respectfully. Well, just, like, they don't really cover Dahmer either, just because what he did to the victims was so gruesome. Yeah. Like, like, they, like they've, they've done it now. Like, they... <laughs> 
they, yeah, they've done it now. Like, they've made a TV yeah. show about it. Yeah, but even then, weird. there was so yeah, much the show people didn't... People up in arms and, like... Yeah. People are saying, okay, true crime's over now. When it does not, let's be honest. But, like... No. But even then, like, there's so much that show didn't go into of what he did. Yeah, and stuff that they changed and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ad- adapted for the modern audience. Well, except, like, they made the one part grosser, the fucking blood bag scene. That never yeah. fucking happened. He stole a vial, went to the roof, and tasted it, and spit it out. Yeah. But anyways, that's not what we were talking about. Yeah, now. that's adapted for the modern audience. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, they knew people like gruesome. Yeah. But it's just, unfortunately, that people realize that's a real person. Like, this actually happened. And they're like, no, this is too much. It's like, okay, so when it's a zombie movie... You like the blood and the and you like the blood and the guts and the brains, mm-hmm. but you're realizing now that this is an actual, okay. or when it takes place in the Middle East. Or... Yeah. Anyway, let's not get into that. We don't have the time. Yes. Okay. I'm just finding my spot. Okay. So he had dug up graves and stolen bodies from local graveyards on numerous occasions um i saw in one source he had visited graves with this intention up to 40 times but didn't necessarily take a body every single time and he specifically picked recently buried middle-aged women who he thought resembled his mother ding 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 we should we should be taking shots every time mommy issues pop up honestly though shadows of the audience do that he made keepsakes and trophies out of their skin and bones. And he only actually, for sure, for sure, murdered two people. He was suspected in others, like, they're pretty sure he caused his brother's death. But he definitely killed Mary Hogan in 1954 and Bernice Warden on November 16th, 1957. Cool. Fine. And now we will get in to the gruesome details. Upon searching his property, investigators found Warden's decapitated body hanging upside down and gutted like a deer in his shed. So it was not too long after he was connected to her disappearance pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Fragments of and whole human bones. I'm going to say like skin and bones a few times. In every instance, I mean human. Okay, just going to... Because it's not a crime to have animal bones. But anyways, here we go. Yeah. A waste basket made of human skin. Seat covers made of human skin. Skulls on his bedpost. I've actually seen a picture of that. It was really fucking weird. I mean, I'm not surprised, but it's just so creepy to see it. Bowls made of skulls. Various other female skulls. Some with the top sewn off. So he just also just had some skulls hanging out. What does he do? A corset made from a female torso. Leggings made from human leg skin. Masks made from female faces. Hogan's face, 
So that was his victim from 1954. Her face, mask, in a paper bag, and her skull in a box. And Warden's entire head in a burlap sack, and her heart in a plastic bag in front of the wood stove. Nine vulva, or vulvae, in a shoebox. A belt made from human nipples. That's the one you hear about the most, the nipple belt. Yeah. I forget which podcast it was. It's either MFM or ATWWD, but someone crocheted them a nipple belt. (laughs) A young girl's dress. Two vulvae that were approximately 15 years old. Now, I don't know if that means the... Belong to they belong to fifteen year olds or he had had them for fifteen years. Either way, gross. Yes, either way, disgusting. But I would have liked clarification on that, but I was not able to find that. Four noses. A lampshade made of a human face. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. And some fingernails. This is the weirdest version of the 12 Days of Christmas. <laughs> oh my god. That's a horrible joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my good god. Okay. So, Gein was initially found mentally unfit to stand trial and sent to a psychiatric institution. And this mm-hmm. was in 57, 58, end of 57, beginning of 58. In 1968, he was found fit to stand trial and found guilty of Warden's murder. However, he was determined to be legally insane and sent to a psychiatric institution once again. And he died at Mendota Mental Health Institute on July 26, 1984, at age 77, and his cause of death was respiratory failure. So what's interesting to me is I actually didn't know that much about Gein. Like, I knew he made shit out of human bodies um, and their body parts. But I thought he killed more of them. I didn't realize that majority of the body parts or the victims were already dead, that he dug them up. I knew he did that a bit, but I thought he had killed more. Yeah. But he... Necrophiliac, yeah, but not, not lover, but play. Well, I mean, obsessed. Yeah, yeah. Like I, he is suspected of more deaths. Oh, um, probably. But it, maybe it was just how he started that he. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I, I know they were able to connect. The body parts to women who were already dead and whose bodies had been stolen from their graves. Like, he definitely did take a lot of bodies and get the stuff in there. But even just what he did to Warden's, to Bernice Warden's body, that's, that's not a second kill type of thing. You know what I mean? That's someone who's been doing that for a, a while. Yeah. 
But we've like never... if it was better like a deer than <laughs> diving into theories and comfortable with deer, mm-hmm. but to do that to human is vastly different. Yep. Yep. Very, very gross. Okay, so the next movie we're going to discuss is Night of the Hunter. I had not seen or even heard of this one until now. Yeah, ditto. It was released July 26th, 1955. And it follows Reverend Harry Powell, a serial killer and self-proclaimed preacher who travels along the Ohio River and marries widows who he later murders to get their money, and he calls it God's work. Oh, that's nice. It's not. Thank you. Thank you, though. Yeah, God was not, Jesus would not be happy. (laughs) And, um, they didn't really change the name very much because the person it is based on is Harry Powers and the character is Harry Powell. All right. So the real guy, Harry Powers, was born November 17th, 1893. He lured victims to his home through the Lonely Hearts newspaper ads under the name Cornelius Orvin Pearson. And I would just like to point out these Lonely Hearts ads come up time and time again and people like to blame the internet and stuff like Tinder for women getting killed and yada yada yada. But it's not, I mean it's true, but it's not new. Yeah. Before it was just newspaper ads. In June 1931, Asta Eicher and her three children were picked up by Powers and never returned home. Oh, sorry, this this one also takes place in the States. I just, for whatever reason, did not know where, but it was in the States. So yeah, they were picked up by him and never returned home. And it was first her and him, they went away for a couple days, came back for the kids, and yeah. Later that summer, Dorothy Pressler... Lemke, or Lemp, Lemke, also went missing after courting Powers, via, and both of them had met him through these Lonely Hearts ads. They, authorities, were, became suspicious of him and were able to connect him based on the second woman's disappearance, and when they searched his home, they found bloody clothing, hair, a small bloody footprint of a child and a buried bank book in a room under his garage. Oh. Okay. There is no innocent reason to have a room under your garage that is not connected to anything else. If it's a basement, like if it's a basement, it's a basement. But just a room under your garage. What year was this again? Uh, 1931. Oh, okay. He was linked to the dis- disappearances so was, in 31, yeah. That was a good claim. Oh, in yeah. August. So he also moved fast because the first woman and her three children went, uh, disappeared in June. And then he was, and then there was another lady. And then he was connected in August of 31. So only a couple months later. So in other words... 
he was not good at hiding his tracks. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. You're going to kill people. Learn to have, how to hide it. Well, especially pre-technology. Yeah. Like, come on, you had it so easy. DNA tracking didn't exist. People were just like, huh, there's blood. Well. Yeah, hmm. and no, like, GPS location tracking or anything. But anyways. Lazy, man. <laughs> the bodies of Asta and her three kids, Greta, Harry, and Annabelle, and Dorothy were found buried in a ditch on the property after someone had come forward saying that he had hired them to help him dig a ditch. Huh. And they heard he was under suspicion and they were like, well, I helped him dig a hole. <laughs> <laughs> Am I in trouble? On December 12th, 1931, Powers was sentenced to death. On March 18th, 1932, he was executed by hanging. Okay, so word of advice to anyone listening, if a guy asks you to help him dig a hole, say no. <laughs> say no to holes, kids. Say no to holes. If a man asks you to do anything, just say no. <laughs> if a man... No. Absolutely not, sir. I am not interested. Thank you very much. You may send me money, however. Here is my email. <laughs> Are you paying me to dig the hole? Well, I think he did. I think it was How also... much to dig the hole? Oh, I don't know. 1931? 50 cents. <laughs> Gee, golly, sir. I think it was like a teenager, too. I didn't write down how old the person was, but I think it, they were a teenager. I think it was a teenage boy. So, someone he wasn't attracted to. No, just, like, someone who would probably do the work. Yeah. Would do physical labor for cheap and not ask questions. Yeah. He was just like, okay. You there, young boy. That's the thing I've heard time and time again on, um various podcasts. Now, I know the 30s were kind of a different time, and you probably worked younger and yada yada. I mean, I had a job at 15. But no adult will ever actually need your help if it's yeah. not an adult you know. Like, if it's not your parents telling you to do something or your boss, no unless adult like, needs your help. Unless it's, like, a 90-year-old old person. Yeah. Even then, they will, like, be so stubborn and be like, I'm gonna do it myself! Yeah. Yeah, like, no... Yes. I mean, I doubt there's any children listening to my podcast. <laughs> but it's still something that should be said. That no grown-ass adult ever needs a kid's help. Ever. This is why your parents teach you don't talk to strangers. Yes. Because they grew up in a decade and a time of, like, strangers are murdering kind people. <laughs> yes. I mean... And kind people, kind people, in quotes, are murdering kind people because Dahmer and Bundy were nice, kind, attractive gentlemen. Well, yeah, like, Bundy, one of his luring tactics was, my arm's broken and I need help. Yeah. Ouchie, ouchie. Hey, you girl, what's up? 
clobber, now you're in my trunk. Next up, we have Ravenous. Also one I had not heard of before. And this one's a little longer. I know the last one was kind of short, but it was so long ago there was like nothing about it, but I still thought it was interesting and different, so I wanted to include it. Okay, so premise of Ravenous. Captain John Boyd is posted at a remote military outpost in the Sierra Nevada. A frostbitten man named Colquinn arrives and tells the story of his wagon train getting lost in the mountains because Colonel Ives promised a shorter route. The travelers had to resort to cannibalism after being lost for three months, and Ives resorts to murder. A rescue party is assembled to try and find any survivors and capture Ives, but after setting off, the group discovered that Colquinn is actually Ives, and he wants to kill them all. Oh, dear. So, this character is based off two different situations. Mm-hmm. So, the first one we're going to talk about is the Donner Party. Okay. So, for those of you that did not go to a public high school and learn about this in grade 10, the Donner Party were a group of American pioneers who migrated from the Midwest to California in the 1840s. They started along the Oregon Trail in the spring of 1846 from Independence, Missouri. What a name. They spent the winter of 1846 going into 1847 in the Sierra Nevada Range. And they got stuck Due to the winter weather, they weren't planning on staying the whole winter. They just, you know. Many succumbed to the elements, sickness, and starvation, leaving the rest to resort to cannibalism to survive. Yep, yep. That's happened many times. Yes. And I believe at one point, I didn't see this when I was doing the research, but I remember learning that the group had, like, split in two at one point. But I don't oh. know. I don't know. I might have made that up. Fight against each other? No, like went two separate ways. But then that comes up in my next part, so maybe I just learned about two different cannibal situations like this. I don't know. But anyways, so a rescue party from California attempted to save them, but they didn't reach them until mid mid February eighteen forty seven again because of the weather. And only 48 out of 87 party members survived the journey. It's, this is, like, rem- reminding me of, like, the Air Force, the Flight 571 from, like, it was, like, a soccer team flying over Argentina. Mm-hmm. And they landed in the Andes, but it was, like, freaking cold. And so the survivors were like, we have to eat these people. There's nothing else. I read a book once that is based on these girls who are pageant queens flying out to some international pageant. And I honestly couldn't tell you how I ended up with this book because that is so not the type of book I would read. But it became like a Lord of the Flies type of situation because they were in a plane crash. And I remember the one girl had like the tray stuck in her forehead and she just like lived with it like that because they knew if they pulled it out she would just bleed too much so she just like <laughs> had the tray from the seat in front of her in her fucking forehead the whole time <laughs> and 
And I don't, it was a fiction book. And I don't even remember what yeah, it's no. called, but it was just it's... so weird. I must have gotten it because that's not the type of book I would pick for myself. So someone must have given it to me. But I did enjoy it because it was very Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Donner Party is reminding me of... I mean, this is like, 1846, but the flight was in, like, the 1970s. Yeah. Yeah. And they crashed in the Andes, and it was just... There was an avalanche, and it killed a bunch of people. And then the passengers were like, there's nothing else to survive. So they... Yeah the deceased yeah you gotta do what you gotta do to survive and i mean fun fact actually i heard it in atwwd which is and that's why we drink um i think i think it was them that covered it but anyways in most states there's not actually a law against cannibalism so in a situation like that they wouldn't be able to charge you with cannibalism after if it was, like, purely survival. Yeah. But usually most modern-day cannibals also killed the person, so that's what you get charged with. Yeah, there's no criminal um, prohibition. There's no... It's the same here. There's nothing forcing you from stopping from eating yourself or a friend. Yeah, if they die another way... <laughs> But you could probably still be charged with, um... Yeah, but, like... Like, crimes against a dead body. Yeah, but. there's no criminal prohibition from eating yourself or eating a part of your friend that's been removed. But if they're dead and you eat them, that's an indignity to a human mm -hmm. body. Mm -hmm. But there's no official cannibalism law. But anyways, so still no. about this movie, it's also based... Um, so specifically, this part with Ives leading them wrong and then killing them is based on Alfred Greiner Packer, born January 21st, 1842, also known as the Colorado Cannibal. And I think Christine covered him on ATWWD and that's where um, I heard about him recently. But anyways... So, in November of 1873, 20 men left the Bingham Canyon Mines near Salt Lake City, Utah Territory for the gold fields of Breckenridge, Colorado Territory. Packer joined the group after encountering them approximately 25 miles or 40 kilometers from their starting point, and he vastly overstated his experience at being a guide in the area, or might have just straight up lied, we don't know, but he was telling them that he wanted to come along and he could help them find their way because he was super familiar with the area, but that was probably completely bullshit. In early 1874, the party came across cow hands from the government, the government cattle camp near Gunnison, Colorado, and offered them food and shelter as the party was cold and tired and hungry and sick and it was not going according to plan. Mm -hmm. On February 9th, Packer and five other men left, including, in, sorry, intending to traverse the mountains. And of course, these five other men think that he knows exactly what he's doing and he's going to lead them to safety and 
why is everyone else staying? Because he's going to save us. Well, maybe not. So these other members were Shannon Wilson Bell, male Shannon, not a female Shannon, James Humphrey, George California Noon, Israel Swan, and Frank Butcher Miller. Old-fashioned nicknames. I know. The men headed towards the San Juan Mountains. When only Packer made it back to civilization in, I think, April, he first claimed that the other men had abandoned him, but later confessed that some died, so the survivors resorted to cannibalism to survive. But the question still remained, why the fuck are you the only one still alive, then, if... Supposedly, there's other survivors. So he later recanted this story and confessed that he alone had lived off his companion's remains to survive. He claimed Bell had killed them, and he killed Bell in self-defense. Because, of course, blame the dead guy. Yeah. And they did... And then then I ate him, because I killed him. (laughs) And they did find... Uh, the remains later, and they were all together, too, so kind of didn't fit with various versions of a story where it happened during different times, you know, where he said at first the survivors, well, if you weren't the only one that survived, then they wouldn't all be dead in the same spot, necessarily. But anyways. After his story was called into question, and he was in jail for a bit. He escaped jail for nine whole years before being caught and tried Jeez. to... I know. But I guess it is 1870s. Yeah. yeah. Sure, escaping jail was just like jimmying a lock and walking out the door. Well, and there was probably still tons of the country where people weren't living as much as they are now, like lots of areas that you wouldn't encounter people for a while that you could hide out in. Exactly, yeah. He clearly knows... At least in the States here, you know, 80% of Canada's uninhabited, so you can just be like, I'm gonna go north. Bye! Yeah. Well, he could have just gone back to the mountains, and he clearly knows how to kill, so... Oh yeah, so after nine years, he was caught again and tried for premeditated murder. He was convicted and sentenced to death, but he won a retrial and was convicted of five counts of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to 40 years in prison. That's a lot. Yeah, so not killed, but you're gonna probably spend the left rest of your life in prison. to jail for a long time. So our next one is a little more recent. And when I say a little, I mean only a little. It is Wolf Creek, which was released in November 3rd, 2005, and it is an Australian horror film that follows three backpackers who are taken captive and hunted by a sadistic psychopath, xenophobic killer, Mick Taylor, sorry, xenophobic serial killer, Mick Taylor, in the Australian outback after their car breaks down and he offers to help. So this... Oh, this, this is the guy I told you about, yeah. Is it? But it's based on the guy 
Yeah, there's two guys. Yeah. Probably. Well, he, like, it, they did sound familiar, so you must be why. So the first guy we're going to talk about is Ivan Robert Marco Malott. Yeah, yeah, I told you. Okay. I thought he sounded familiar, and I wasn't sure how, because when I, like, was reading about it, I was like, none of this sounds familiar, but he does. Okay, that makes sense, then. Yeah, he's the guy who was, like, kidnapping backpackers, and no one really cared, because it was like, oh, it's just, like, they're just hitchhikers. Yes. It was like what was happening in BC, like, it was the just prostitutes, right? Or in Toronto, just gay men. Yeah. Even more recently, but anyways. The day will come for that story. Okay, so he was born December 27th, 1944, and he had the nickname Backpack Murderer. He captured, robbed, assaulted, and murdered two men and five women in New South Wales between 1989 and 1992. December 30th, 1989, he murdered Deborah... Everest and James Gibson, both 19 and Australian, by stabbing. Mm. January 20th, 1991, he murdered Simone Schmidl, who's 20 and German, by stabbing her and he stabbed her so aggressively that one of the stabs severed her spinal column. Yeah. Or at least penetrated it. December 26th, 1991. So quite a break. He's between these two. Yeah. He murdered... Oh, God. I'm not going to be able to say these names, and I apologize ahead because they are German. He murdered Gabor... Or Gabor... Gabor... Neubauer, I think. Neubauer? Okay. By shooting him six times and then decapitated his girlfriend, Anya Habenschlil, who was 20. And I only saw her age, so I'm not sure if they're both 20 or just Anya was 20. But they were both German. But the age part was only next to her. But, but anyways, I'm like, I'm... Choosing not to be too in-depth in case I want to be come, come back to these, so. And then April 18th, still 1991. I just looked up Gabor. He was 21, but yeah. Okay. Oh, wait, no, this one must have been... adorable, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> April 18th, he murdered Joanne Wallers, 22, by stabbing. And Carolyn Clark, 21, by shooting her 10 times, and both were British. Which is interesting because, not the British part, the way he killed them. Because they were together, and he killed them in quite different ways. By stabbing one a bunch of times and shooting the other a bunch of times. Yeah. Malat was apprehended on May 22nd, 1994. He was convicted of seven counts of murder... One count of attempted murder, one count of false imprisonment, and one count of robbery on July 27, 1996. He was sentenced to seven life sentences without parole for the murders and six years for each other charge. 
The other dude, who this is based on a little bit, is Bradley John Murdoch. He was born February 19th, 1958. And I'm going to do a little bit of background on his crimes too, just to kind of give you an idea of the type of dirtbag he is. Hold on a second. In 1980, he had received a suspended sentence for causing death by dangerous driving after hitting and killing a motorcyclist. So, he was found guilty, but didn't actually serve any time. On okay. I know. On July 14th, 2001, Murdoch, mur Murdoch murdered Peter... I know. Ver a tongue twister. Murdoch murdered... Say that ten times fast. So he murdered Peter Falanconio, who is 29, on a remote section of the Stewart Highway near Barrow Creek. Peter had been driving with his girlfriend Joanne Lees when they noticed a vehicle following them. They pulled over, and so did the vehicle behind them, and he got out to speak to the driver, who was Murdoch, and Murnock told them he saw sparks coming from their exhaust and wanted to tell them. So they go to look at the exhaust and see what's going on. And then suddenly, Joanne, the girlfriend, hears a loud bang from behind the vehicle. And then Murnock climbs in and ties her up. Oh. And he's trying to get her from her, their vehicle to his vehicle. But she manages to escape and runs off into the bush and he's not able to find her. Um, and then nothing kind of happens with that for a bit. In 2003, he was charged with seven counts of abduction and I just want to warn you, I'm going to say the word because I have to say the word because uh -huh. it is the charge. Seven counts of abduction and rape, but was acquitted. Shortly after this acquittal, though, in, still in 2003, he was arrested and charged with the murder of Peter. So, not too, too long after, not right away, but only two years after. On December 13, 2005, Murnock was convicted in Peter's murder, and he was sentenced to life imprisonment without parole for 28 years, and he was also convicted of assault-related charges on Joanne. Now, our final movie to discuss this evening is It. Oof. Now, there are multiple versions, so the, I'm going to talk about the first version. Released November 18th and 20th of 1990 as two separate parts, but then was later, they took away the end little bit of the first one and the beginning little bit of the second one and just made it one big, long, three-hour movie. Yeah. Which was one of the first horror movies I ever watched out of Sleepover. And I remember everyone else was freaked the fuck out. I was just exhausted and went to sleep. <laughs> I, like, fell asleep during it. Actually, I think I fell asleep before it and then I woke up to it and I was just like, fuck this, and went back to bed. <laughs> So, this follows a predatory creature that can transform itself into its prey's worst fears. It mostly takes on the humanoid form of Pennywise the Clown. 
The story takes place in two time periods, which is why there were two halves originally and why the newer one is two separate movies. First, when the seven members of the Losers Club face it as children in 1960, then again in 1990 uh, when they're adults, and he returns and they reunite to defeat him for the second time. Yeah. And can you guess who this clown-ish character is based on? I honestly have no clue. I know that, like, the books... This clown character who wants to kill children. Clown that kills children. McDonald's? No, John Wayne Gacy. Oh. Okay. <laughs> McDonald's? <laughs> oh, yeah, I see it now. Bob Gacy. Bob Gray. Oh, oh yeah, because in the novel, his name was Robert Gr- Robert Bob Gray. Gacy Gray, okay. Well, I never really think of John Wayne Gacy as the clown killer. I just always picture his face. Yeah, that's fair. So, he was born March 19th, 1942. He sexually assaulted, killed, and murdered at least 34 young men and boys, but he has claimed there were more. He regularly performed as Pogo the Clown or Patches the Clown at charitable events and children's hospitals, which is actually how he met some of the his victims. I think he did birthday parties as well. Yeah. So, in 1968, Gacy was convicted of sodomy of a teenage boy in Waterloo, Iowa, and sentenced to 10 years, but only served 18 months. 18? Jeez. Did you hear that? Was that a piano? No, it was like a big truck. Oh, honk. Okay. Yeah. Alright, he would lure his victims to his home and claim he was going to show them a magic trick in order to get them to put on handcuffs after giving them some alcohol and drugs. He also sometimes would, sometimes he would lure them by, so sometimes he would lure his victims with promises of alcohol and partying and sometimes um, he would employ that, or he would lure them by offering employment so he was a contractor and he would say he needed help with stuff yada yada he would then sexually assault and torture them before killing them by either strangulation with a garrote or asphyxiation Gacy buried 26 of his victims in the crawl space of his home three elsewhere on his property and dumped five in the De Plains River but only four were found. So he says he dumped five, but only four of the bodies were found. Yeah. So, I am now going to read you the long list of his victims with dates. Okay. Timothy McCoy, 16, January 3rd, 1972. John Doe, 1, January 1974. John Bukovich, 18, July 31st, 1975. Daryl Sampson, 18, April 1978. So, like I said, um, it says boys and young men, but the men were all, like, 18. Yeah. 
Yeah. Barely that's... men. Well, there's a couple in their 20s, but, you know, like, they're barely adults. Yeah. They still probably looked young. Yeah. Randall Reffitt, 15, May 1976. Samuel Stapleton, 14, May 1976. And he was friends with Randall Reffitt, and they were buried together, so might have been killed the same evening. It's undetermined. Michael Bonin, 17, June 3rd. William Carroll, 16, June 13th. James Hackison, 16, August 5th. Rick Johnston, 17, August. John Doe's, 2 and 3, sometime between August and, o- and October. Kenneth Parker and Michael Marino, October 24th. They were friends that he picked up together. William Bundy, 19, October 26th. Francis Alexander, 21, sometime between November and December. Gregory Godzik, 17, December. John Sink? It's S-Z-Y-C, so I'm not sure how to say that. 19, January 20th, 1977. John Prestige, 20, March 17th. John Doe, 4, spring or summer of 1977. Matthew Bowman, 19, July 5th. Robert Gilroy, 18, September. John Mower, 19, also September. Russell Nelson, 21, October. Robert Winch, late October or early November. Tommy Bolin, 20, November 18th. David Talsma, 19, December 9th. Robert Donnelly, 19, Abducted December 20th, no, sorry, December 30th, but he survived and later testified. Testified against Casey. William Kindred, 19, February 1978, and he was the last victim to be buried inside. Jeffrey Ringnall, 26th, March 21st, also survived. Timothy O'Rourke, 20, June. Frank Landigan, 19, November 4th. James Mazzara, 20th, November 24th. And Robert Peace, 15, December 11th, 1977. Gacy was convicted of 33 counts of murder, sexual assault, indecent liberties with a child, and sodomy, and sentenced to death on March 13, 1980. He was executed by lethal injection on May 10, 1994, at Stateville Correctional Center, which, weirdly enough, if you've watched the new Dahmer show or know anything about that case, it was also the exact same day that Dahmer was baptized in prison, which is just an interesting note. So my sources for this were a November 27th, 2018 Bustle Entertainment article by Danielle Burgos, July 28th, 2020 Screen Rant article by Sean S. Leolos, the good old Wikipedia, 
October 16th, 2020, biography.com, article by Tim Ott, and IMDb. So, we don't end on such a tragic note. I have a fun little question prepared for you, Sarah. Yay! I am curious what your top two favorite costumes you ever did are. Well, I do have the pictures. I managed to find like two costumes of mine. Yes. If you only have one, you can say one. Or if you have three, you can say three. I just personally can only think of two that are my top two. Well, here's the thing. I grew up in a conservative, like, Christian house, Mm -hmm. so Halloween was, like, the only time I got to go, like, all out Mm -hmm. and, like, wear makeup and clothes that I wasn't allowed to wear. So, (laughs) quite a few times I went as, like, a goth girl. I love it. And, like, I got, like, a black wig that had like pink streaks in it and I have like rip tights and I'd wear like all black and wear like black lipstick but it was horrible it was Halloween makeup so it was like Halloween lipstick that was like basically a crayon that you're smearing on your lips of course (laughs) and I was like just like smeared it across my eyes and I like but I loved it. I was like, yes, I am emo. <laughs> and that was like, I did that like multiple times, I'm pretty sure. And I think my second favorite is when I was my like first ever Halloween costume was, um, was a, my second favorite was when I was like my first costume ever. It was a group costume with my brothers. My brother was Peter Pan, my other brother was Captain Hook, and I was Tinkerbell. Aww. And it's just super adorable, because, like, I had her attitude. I was, like, really sassy and, like, really, like... And then, like, yeah, I just didn't really have anyone to trick-or-treat with. Like, Halloween, I always went with my brothers, and they'd be, like, my, you know, protectors. But, yeah, and I also lived in the country, so trick-or-treating wasn't a thing you had to drive like 10 minutes to find good mm-hmm. trick-or-treating spots because like you can't trick-or-treat in the country no you cannot what we are you would... gonna do walk 10 minutes to the neighbor's house and be like we oh. would go to the rich neighborhood behind the hospital in town because yes. they would give out the best candy and my dentist gave out full-size chocolate bars you got mm. to pick a full-size chocolate bar or a toothbrush it was always a full-size chocolate bar and his wife Wore, had these fake teeth that were like terrible teeth that she would always wear and be like this is why you go to the dentist kids my top two um my number one favorite costume I've done um which I have yet been able to over- outdo is um Halloween 2017 so in first year I was a Stanley Cup and ah. my friend made my costume for me can you see it or is it too bright? Oh, no, you can see it. And she sewed oh on the logo. I got this awful two-piece 
silver set from Forever 21 that wasn't even part of their Halloween section. It was part of their fucking activewear. And my friend Steph sewed on a bunch of the teams and the dates. Yeah. And then a big NHL logo. And then I got a headband and a bowl. And I painted them silver and glued them together. The headband, the bowl did not survive the night. I was just yeah. looking at the post. There's pictures from later in the night. There is no bowl. And then Halloween 2019, I was Ursula. So I got, but like, make it cute. So I got a set that was her crown and her uh, necklace with the shell from Party City or something. And then I just got a nice black dress and a shiny purple jacket that I still have both of. Um, And made it Ursula, but cute. So those are my top two favorite. I know I had a, like, I've had fairy wings I've used a couple times. I had a cheetah costume I used a couple times. Um, I had a unicorn onesie when I was little that I probably wore for, like, four years because it was cheap and easy. But, yeah. This is me as the goth child. Oh, my good God. But you know what I wore to school because... It was school, and I didn't have boots. My mom, my mom refused to get me the style of boots I wanted, which is why I thrive off of like combat boots now. I wanted those since I was this age. My mom was like, "No, you'll look gay," <laughs> and I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> but so you know what I wore to school? Crocs with socks. Oh my god! Like with the costume. <laughs> with the costume. And then I did it a second time when I was a teenager. Oh no. Yeah. I didn't wear Crocs, I wore black Uggs. That's better. Winter and it was cold, yeah. And then this is another costume that I wore, had to wear jeans under because it was, like, five degrees out, trick-or-treating. And oh, I was like, you know what? Another good one. Um, one year I was Twister. So oh. I... Oh, shit, let's see if I can find the photo. It was grade eight, so a really long time ago. But I got a game, and I got, like, a yellow shirt and blue pants, and then... I got a headband, and I glued the spinning board to my headband, and then I had, my mom attached the game to my outfit somehow that it actually stayed, so it was wrapped around me. Oh, it was pretty clever. I don't remember why I picked that. I probably just saw something online and was like, that looks like fun, but it was pretty good. I got lots of compliments on that, because it's so obvious, too. Yeah, like, my latest costume, I guess, actually, like, in high school, we, our book fair, you know, like, you know, book fair. Oh, yeah, I know book fair. Yeah, that we, we, it was on Halloween. Oh. And so I was just like, well, I'm doing books that are based around death, and so I decided to dress up like a funeral director. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, you look so classy, though. I know. I was, like, handing out pamphlets about grieving. Like, I straight up went to a funeral house, and I was just like, 
<laughs> like I called ahead. They're like, okay, can you come around 12? We have a family coming in. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I went and I was like, do you have any pamphlets about like suicide? Because oh that's what the books were about. And they're like, mm. this is very weird, but okay. <laughs> Once um, the picture comes up in my memories, I'll show you the Twister costume, but it's so far down on Facebook, I'm not even going to try. Yeah. But, I mean, we're getting there. It'll be up soon, so. Oh, this was, I forget which character this was, but this, this was all my mom. Is it Chucky? <laughs> no, it's, oh, I can't remember her Raggedy name. Raggedy Ann? Yeah, I think it's Raggedy Ann. It looks like Raggedy Ann and Chucky's love child. Because the outfit says Chucky, but the hair says Raggedy Ann. I was trying to see if I have any more good costume photos here, but I don't think I do. What did I do in 2018? I think oh, I, I just did. No, it's not Raggedy Ann. Oh, who's the girl with pigtails? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Disturbed Minds. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. And don't forget to follow the show on Instagram for show details, pictures, and more at Disturbed Minds Pod.